It's said that your real life begins where your comfort zone ends. Well, it's about to get real as we have radically authentic conversations to help you thrive in your personal and professional life while navigating the twists and turns of being human. Buckle up, because this might get uncomfortable. Starts right now with Whitney Lordson. Several weeks ago, I was rummaging through my garage here in Los Angeles, and I have a a couple of, I suppose, what would I call them, like secure file folders, like lockable file folders with old documents from childhood, you know, birth certificates. I think my high school diploma is in there. My college degree is in there. There's just a bunch of random old documents in these lock boxes in my garage, and. I was going through um, like old school files in there. Most of these like old school files, when I say school files, like papers and stuff, my mom has kept at her, at her house in Detroit. But I'm rummaging through this file folder and I come across some old documents when I was applying to get into colleges uh, in the 90s. And I came across, you know, uh, some documents from like USC and, um, my diploma from uh, Columbia College, where I graduated from, but I came across a acceptance letter from NYU, and you've you've seen this, Whitney, because I actually brought it to an Oscar party uh, a couple years ago, and and had like my NYU acceptance letter at. It was part of this Oscar party. We go to these friends' Oscar parties, and there was a theme about graduation and college. And anyway, all of this is to say, I saw this acceptance letter from NYU from God. It must have been 1996. 1997. And I remembered how much I wanted to go to NYU for film school. That's something for you, dear listener. Uh, if you didn't know this about Whitney and myself, Whitney and I were both student filmmakers. She graduated from Emerson College in Boston. I graduated from Columbia College in Chicago. But we both, years later, when we got to know each other, learned that we both really wanted to go to the Tisch School of the Arts at NYU and go to their film program. Well, I got accepted. And um, I remember the one thing at the time, Whitney, that was the deciding factor why I didn't want to go was the tuition. I didn't get a scholarship. I did get accepted to Tisch School of the Arts. I didn't get a scholarship. And back then in the 90s, for a four-year bachelor's degree in their film program, it was going to be well over $100,000 in debt for me. And I thought, I don't know that I want to be 21 years old and be six figures in debt trying to be a filmmaker. You know, The plan was to be in New York, do film, probably go out to LA. Anyway, life took a different turn because Columbia offered me money. And I was like, I'll take your money. I'll go to Chicago instead. Well, I want to pause you there for a second because I know you're going somewhere with this, but this is really interesting timing because NYU played a huge role in my life in ways that I don't know if I fully articulated. And it's timely because I was just in New York City yesterday and I walked around the part of the NYU campus that I did a summer program at. So a little context. The reason that I really wanted to go to NYU is because I went to a one month summer filmmakers workshop for high school students that literally changed my life. And I, I'm sure I've mentioned this before. But just in case I haven't, or it's way back in some episode that few listeners have heard, I, as Jason mentioned, was really passionate about filmmaking. Video has always been a big part of my life, and I'm glad that it continues to, at least on our YouTube channel and TikTok. When apply, I like had to apply to this workshop. My parents were gracious enough to, to pay for it. And I went and there was like... I don't know, maybe a hundred kids, and we all like lived in the dorms. And this was our junior year of high school. So it was going into senior year. And there was that pivotal time where you're like figuring out what you want to do in your life. And I was very clear that I wanted to do video or filmmaking. And I got to this program and just fell deeply in love with with Tish. And I, I imagine the program is probably designed to get students interested in, in Tish, because like a very high percentage of kids from that program applied to NYU and got in. And as Jason mentioned, I didn't get in 
actually, did you mention this? I'm not sure, but I applied as well, but I didn't, I got rejected mainly because like, I was always like a B student in high school and that was not going to cut it for NYU because it was so competitive and also SATs and all that other shit. And like, not to mention, is it called nepotism? Is that the term when like, yeah, when you have a relative or someone you know who works for NYU and they get you in through the back channels, yeah, that's nepotism. Oh, yeah, that was definitely happening, especially with the kids in that program. I don't remember any specifics, but like we would all chat together on AOL, which is really funny to think about. I remember like in AOL chats with other people like, hey, did you apply and blah, blah, blah. And people talking about like who is getting in because of their connections and like, that's going to tie into this conversation in a lot of ways. But it, the reason it's timely, Jason, is yesterday I was a, getting ready to leave New York, but I had like flexibility in my timeline. And I thought to myself, what do I, is there anything that I want to do before I leave today? And I was just like very fluid. I had met up with some friends. I achieved the main purpose that I had gone to the city. And I thought, well, I could stay a little bit longer. And I thought, well, it's always nice to go over to Tish because of how pivotal it was in my life. So I walked over there and I was just like walking around this particular part, which is at Washington Square Park, which for those that don't know, is that famous um, arch in the park with the fountain. And that's where the dormitory I lived in for that month was based in the the Tisch School building is like right up the street. And so Washington Square Park was huge for, for me, developing emotionally, figuring out who I was and what I wanted to be. And also the beginning of my journey as a vegan, because I met a guy there who had been vegetarian his whole life and went vegan. And he was the main reason I decided to try going veg myself. But it was that moment in life, Jason, where I experienced so many radical transformations. Like it truly, I I remember thinking yesterday, like that time was maybe more significant than like my entire college experience at Emerson in a lot of ways, even though Emerson was great. I had a lot of great experiences there. Like that month was just huge. And I was just like, how is it possible that something such a short amount of time and something that probably to other people was so insignificant was so significant to me. And I was walking around that area, passing by the dorms. I looked in the windows. Jason and I also did this. I have a vlog I can dig up somewhere on the Eco Vegan Gal YouTube channel, I think, where you and I like went in somehow. Like I don't know how we did it. Like We went into the lobby of that dormitory and it was like almost exactly the same as I remember, which is also crazy. But like I walked by it today and Jason, I was like, not only reflecting on who I've become since that time and like how my life has evolved in all these unique ways I never could predicted then, but also like walking past all these other kids and there's like the college students standing outside the building, you know, it's October right now. So they're in school. And I guess like with COVID, it seems like it was pretty much back to business in New York. And like I'm walking by all these kids and thinking to myself, wow, like they're each all in their own journey and who knows what's going on for them. And I like looked at a few people and I was like, I wonder what they're going through emotionally. And like, it's just so fascinating because college is like such an intense time of our lives and all these decisions that we make and how that directs us and how that impacts like where we're going to go. So I wanted to bring that up in case we get completely off the topic of NYU. But, you know, I always wondered, similar to you, Jason, like what my life would have been had I gone to NYU. You know, like I didn't get the chance because I didn't get accepted. And I was devastated because my identity was starting to get wrapped up in NYU. And I think that's going to come into play in this conversation, too. Like, I thought if I didn't go to NYU, I would not become who I wanted to be. I would not have the chances and the exposure and the connect, like all of these things that I put onto that school when truly I got most, if not all, maybe even better at Emerson because Emerson had was probably a better match for me. Not to mention, as I mentioned in the um, episode we did on 9-11, I think this year, how that was my freshman year of 
of college was 9-11. And had I lived in New York City, who knows how that would have impacted me differently than it did in Boston, which already felt traumatic. So it's interesting too, Jason, like for you getting into this school and then making a decision out of financial choice versus for me, I think Emerson and NYU are probably about the same. And like, you know, I had the privilege of my parents paying for it and they, they would have paid for NYU, even if it was a financial stretch for them. Uh, so you and I both like got directed outside of NYU for different reasons, which is just like fascinating. And also I really want to make sure that we touch upon this idea of how college shapes us or doesn't shape us. Yeah, that's such a wonderful reflection and, and lead in. I also want to say there's a really fascinating video. Speaking of the NYU dorm rooms, the ones that we toured a few years back on your vlog, I saw a video. We didn't tour them. We well, just like, we went, went to the lobby. lobby. Yeah. <laughs> okay. We didn't get like a no, the, no, we didn't get a guided tour. No, no, no. That's you're you're correct about that. There is a really interesting video. I can't remember who. Maybe it's Vice. I don't know. Rolling Stone, GQ. I don't know. There's a video of Rick Rubin, the famous music producer, going to his NYU dorm room after like 40 years and like his exact dorm room. It's a fascinating video and him talking about, you know, meeting LL Cool J and, and Run DMC and producing their records. And when he met Russell Simmons and him being a student at NYU and it's interesting because not only is it cool to see him reflect on, you know, 40 years of the music business starting to produce records out of his dorm room, which is a trip and a half, but it it piggybacks on what you were saying, which is this idea that I need to go to a specific college because I think it's going to do something for me in terms of my identity, my career, my income. And there's all of these attachments and these expectations of if I go to the right school and part of that lore we talk about Rick Rubin. I'm sure there's a list of super famous NYU graduates, you know, that we could pull up. But for me, it was USC because the USC film program, I mean, George Lucas, I mean, to me, it was like, if you want to be a famous film director, you go to NYU, you go to USC, or you go to Columbia University. I went to Columbia College, totally different thing. But it's like, you think about the directors who graduated from those three universities, it's crazy, right? So there's a lore, there's a, there's a, there's a lore that draws you in to say, I want to I want to go where George Lucas went. I want to go where Rick Rubin went, went like, holy shit. And consequently, because of this lore, because of this mythology, these universities make, you know, tens of millions, maybe even hundreds of millions of dollars, depending on the university, because of the image and the lore and sort of the mythology around it. This ties into an article you sent me, Whitney, a while back. There's two articles I want to talk about today in the Wall Street Journal that we've set up with this conversation. One is a generation of American men are giving up on college. And it talks about how the number of men at two and four-year colleges and universities has fallen behind women in record levels, which is widening the education gap across the US. So it talks about now how men are trailing female students in US colleges and universities across the entire country. And it gets into a lot of the mentalities and fears around this, right? Is that there's so much uncertainty. They profile a few different young men in here from ages 18 to 23 in this article. And by the way, everything we talk about will be in our show notes at our website, which is wellevator.com. That's W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R.com. Part of it apparently is the pandemic, the downturn in family finances, but also the fact that a lot of these young men that they've interviewed for this are talking about hopelessness and the fact that so many of them don't feel like they have a plan. It talks about skyrocketing education costs have made college much more risky than it has in past generations and saddling students in six-figure debt with lower paying careers. It also talks about, Whitney, that social scientists have been analyzing this and say that they cite distractions and obstacles to education that weigh more on young boys and young men, including obsessive video game addiction, pornography, increased levels of fatherlessness, and cases of overdiagnosis of boyhood restlessness, depression, and related medications. And it's super interesting, right? Because you get into a lot of these young men, like, again, 18 to 23, who are doing landscaping jobs for $500 a week. 
they invest in crypto, they sell their music online. And the big thing that that I'm taking away from this is the sense of just how lost they feel. It gets into what they define as, and I've never heard this term before, a hope deficit. That these young men are saying that they feel hopeless and like, what is the point in investing in my future when I can do things like social media, invest in crypto, sell my music online? I guess these young men are starting to feel like, what is the point of getting into debt? Now, the interesting thing about this and the reason that I didn't go to NYU, right, is picking back, piggybacking on a second Wall Street Journal article, how students are feeling, quote, financially hobbled for life. And there are these elite master's degrees that don't pay off. It says Columbia and other top universities push master's programs that fail to generate enough income and revenue for graduates to keep up with their multiple six-figure federal loans. Now, this is the big reason that I turned it down with, you know, when I crunched the numbers, this was back in the 90s, right? It talks about here at New York University, and this was an article from this year, 2021, graduates with master's degrees borrowed a median of $116,000 and had an annual median income of $42,000 two years after graduating from the program. At Northwestern University, half of those master's degrees borrowed $148,000 or more, and graduates only had a median income of $60,000 two years later. And we brought up USC, right? University of Southern California, borrow a medium $124,000, and half of those graduates earn $50,000 or less over the same program. It also talks about how no student loan interest rates are as high as 7.9%. And some students here, there's a guy named Patrick Clement, who is a MFA film graduate from the uh, Columbia program, Whitney. He's 41 years old. His student loan balance is $364,000. And to pay the bills, he teaches film at a community college and runs an antique shop. All of this is to say, I think there are so many factors here of why people are choosing not to go to college, but a big factor is crippling debt. Like I can't even imagine being in my early 40s with a film degree and being $364,000 in debt. Like that to me feels like a stultifying amount of debt. Now, truth be told, when I graduated Whitney, I had about I think around fifteen to twenty thousand dollars worth of debt because I got so many scholarships to go to film school. But like you, I had massive privilege in getting those scholarships. Now I busted my ass for those scholarships, right? The applications are not easy, but nonetheless, it freaks me out to think about. Yeah, okay, you have an Ivy League degree, right? Columbia is no joke. NYU is no joke. Northwestern, USC, these are no joke schools. But to be out in the field making forty thousand dollars. And having that much fucking debt feels insane to me. And I guess all of this is to say, like, I know obviously our financial situations were different. What we experienced in college was different. But it's been making me reflect on, does anyone give a shit that I graduated college? Like literally, other than my first maybe two jobs, right, when I was 21 and 22, other than my first two jobs doing production and copywriting in the advertising industry. Like that's how I got in after film school, right? Went into advertising. Other than maybe those first two jobs in my early 20s, I don't think I ever had a recruiter or a potential boss ever ask me about my college experience. And it makes me wonder, you invest all that money, all that time, you have maybe debt for your entire life. And does anyone actually give a shit? In terms of recruiting or jobs, it really is an important question. And maybe that's one of the big reasons why more and more men and young boys are saying, fuck it, I don't want to go to college. Yeah. I mean, it seems like it's shifted a bit. I don't know if it's because there's more awareness and conversation because I felt like I had to go to college and I wanted to. I don't remember exactly why, but it felt like everybody else is going to college. Like very few people in my high school, as far as I'm aware, did not go to college. My high school was a public school, but as I've mentioned in some other episodes about this, my school is in a very small town and it, we always called it like a private public school because of the structure of it felt a lot like a, a private school in a lot of ways. So 
one of the big perks of that was we had really great teachers and really good education at my high school. And so a lot of students were very well prepped for college and encouraged to go to college and, you know, got into some really great schools. And so it felt like that's just what you do. And also to your point, Jason, having passion for the film industry and living in a small town in Massachusetts, it seemed to me that the way to get to Hollywood was to go to school and learn and make the connections and then work in the industry. But the more that you're sharing this, my brain was not thinking about money. Like that's a privilege, first of all, because my parents took care of college for me. They also had to take out loans, but they never talked to me about it, which is another privilege is that I think my parents like just decided that college was something they wanted to my sister and I to have and we can go to any school we wanted. I think it's funny looking back on it. It just didn't it didn't come up, Jason. Like I was like these are the schools I'm interested in and my parents were like, "Okay." And they figured it out and they didn't bother getting me involved with it. I do know that like there were some loan things involved, but like they didn't even burden me with like where things stand. Like for all I know, they're probably still paying it off, but they've never asked me to contribute to that. That is one of the greatest gifts my parents have ever given me, to be honest. And every time I think about these things, I'm like, well, if anything, like I would love to be feel more financially empowered so like I could give back to my parents more, you know, but that's a whole nother note. I think that being the privilege of not having to think about money when it came to school was interesting because I wasn't thinking I'm going to get this degree so I can make this amount of money to pay off the debt and all of that. I didn't have to struggle in that way, Jason. But the one thing though with my parents is that they paid for that, but they did not like pay for other things beyond like high school. Like basically in in college, I worked part-time while I was in school so that I could pay for whatever else I wanted to do. You know, I, I've always been someone that worked to pay for like entertainment and clothes and all of those things were like up to me. And so I was like financially motivated to like pay for the things that I wanted to do. And then once I graduated college, I was completely on my own, you know, like (laughs) I had to figure that all out, but similar to how I am now, it was just kind of like, all right, how much money do I need to make to pay the bills? And like, what do I really enjoy doing? And what's interesting about that is a lot of the things that I ended up doing really didn't have that much to do with college. And that's part of, I think we've mentioned this before in other episodes as well. I feel like some of the these topics are a little repetitive, but no one's been like, oh my God, you went to Emerson College and you graduated with a film degree. It's more like, where did you go to school? They're curious. You know, every once in a while, there's like some alumni connection, but like, I wouldn't say that like in LA and Hollywood, they ha- call it the Emerson Mafia because Emerson College has such a big prevalence in Los Angeles almost as much as NYU and USC and UCLA, like you mentioned those schools, Emerson's up there too. Maybe not as much when you applied to school, Jason, but Emerson's worked its way up in that film production college notoriety. But like everybody would talk about being part of the Emerson mafia. But when I got to LA, it wasn't like, oh, I got this job because I went to Emerson as far as I know. What did help me was working for Apple. I got jobs because I worked for Apple. Like people were very impressed by that. Like I think people care more that I worked for Apple than they do about where I went to school because of where Apple stands. Right. So, but I got my job at Apple that had nothing to do with my Emerson degree. You know what I mean? And like most of the film production jobs, Jason, I got were because of connections and That was one thing I didn't realize fully until I was done with college, that working in Hollywood, whether it's actual Hollywood, California, or Hollywood anywhere else in the world where it has its role as the industry, is so much about connections. And it's similar to nepotism in in that way. In fact, I just saw TikTok the other day kind of making fun of like the stereotypical people that work on on a production. They're all connected to one another. So if you don't have connections, you're kind of out of luck. You could have a great degree, but when it comes to getting a job, a lot of jobs in that industry are dominated by connections that people have. Yeah. When I first came out to LA, I remember one of the first things that I think maybe a casting director told me 
she said, it's not about who you know, it's who knows you. And I thought, that's an interesting spin. But to your point, when I was doing personal chefing and nutritional support for different celebrities, I started to notice that after working on like multiple movies and multiple productions, I would see the same people. I'd be like, oh, there's Lori, there's Patrick, there's Jeannie. Oh, okay, yeah, she does the hair and makeup. Like to your point, people trust each other, they're familiar with each other, there's a rapport. And it's almost like when you're in, you're in. And unless you fuck it up or do something bad, it's kind of a perpetuating machine. You know, you get in with a certain group. And you see the same people on, on different productions. And I've talked to other, other friends and they're like, oh yeah, you see the same crew, the same people. So to your point, Whitney, you know, I laugh sometimes when I, um, when I've seen job applications and they will ask like, what was your GPA in college? And my response when I look at applications is like, why the fuck do you care? I graduated college 21 years ago. Like, does anyone give a rat's ass about my GPA? But at the time, at the time. When I was 20, 21 years old, it's like, I need to graduate with a 4.0. No one has ever cared. And it's interesting to think about going back to the ego and the identity that you brought up at the beginning. It's like, why do we make these things to be so monumentally important as, as young people? And then in my experience, come to realize in adulthood that no one cares and no one asks. But at the time, it felt like the most important thing ever, didn't it? SATs. ACTs, GPA, you know, recommendation letters. Yeah, I suppose they serve a purpose to get you to that next tier of the video game of life. But literally, when you're out in the adult world, no one's ever asked me in a professional capacity what my GPA was or what my SATs were, ever. Even like asking where you went to school, like I said, is more of a like conversation starter. And part of me is like, you could just lie. Like, no one's going to know whether you did or did not go there. And like, how many people would care enough to double check that? You know what I mean? Like, no one. College mattered when like Facebook was exclusive to college students and you would like find people that you went to school with or high school or whatever. But aside from that, you're right. There's very few reason. And so like to back up the finances of it, it it does seem kind of nuts, but, and sadly it's, it's kind of like going with the masses because, you know, unfortunately money does play a big role. It plays a big role in facilities. It plays a big role in hiring the right teachers. You know, all of these teachers, they've got to get paid well, and they probably want to be associated with a good school. So they're going to be attracted to the nicer schools and the higher wages, and and a lot of the less expensive schools don't have that privilege. They don't have the money to pay for all the things that go along with the glitz and glamour that some of these nicer colleges and universities have. And when you really examine it, there's just a hell of a lot of privilege involved. And then how much does that privilege and those that glitz and glamour really matter to you or the connections really matter to you when if you know out in the real world, you could go and network your way to reach a lot of these people. And this is the big thing that I've noticed through a lot of my work is, is like, if you really want to reach people, like you can get there. You, you just have to be incredibly persistent. I just, I don't, you know, if we look at the system, Jason, it would, it would require so much education in general for people to even recognize that school might not be worth the money. And I don't think that system is fully set up. It's easy for me to say like, oh, I had a great time in college. I'm glad I went, but I do not have the burden of the debt. So I, that, that's like, you, I don't even, I can't really speak on it in that sense, aside from acknowledging my privilege and the ignorance that comes along with that. But it's like, I was in that system and maybe my parents were too, like It'd be interesting to talk to my parents about this, and maybe I will. Like, how do they feel being parents and feeling all the pressure to let, have your kids go to a good school? And why do the parents care what school you go to? Like, if the parents are conditioned into believing if my kid doesn't get into this school, then they won't have the life of their dreams and whatever. And we also know there's plenty of filmmakers. Like, I know this isn't just about the film industry, but there's plenty of filmmakers that are incredibly successful. Isn't Quentin Tarantino one where he didn't go to film school? 
You know, like what is it that makes Quentin Tarantino successful? I don't know exactly, but he's got a very specific way of making movies and he's made the right connections and he's been consistent and persistent. And a lot of those things factor into this. I know people in the film industry that their current careers that they're incredibly successful in are not what they studied in school or decided to pursue. They kind of fell into it, learned as they got went along, made the right connections, et cetera, et cetera. And I think what we might see shift, Jason, is because there are so many careers online and the world has really opened up its eyes to remote living, which includes learning, remote learning, remote working, there's hopefully going to be a big shift because with along with remote learning, think of the amount of expenses that are saved. If a kid wants to do their entire college education from their room at home, they can. They don't need to stay in a dorm room. They don't need to, to eat all the food there. They don't need to do all the things and go to the classes and pay all this. You know, the teachers get paid virtually, whatever. My only hesitation there is that you know, college, what it does offer is that kind of rite of passage experience. And going back to what I said about my one month at NYU and how much that shaped me, that was nothing to do. Well, let me take that back. Very little to do with the education I got there. I will say that the program I went to at Tisch was extraordinary. The things I learned there set me up for an awareness of how to make films and videos that when I got to college at Emerson, I was way ahead of other students there just in one month. That program was phenomenal. But most of the impact that program had on me, Jason, was the experience of being there. The experience of being honest in a city that I didn't live in, in a city away from my parents, in a city surrounded by all these kids I didn't know, living in a dormitory, basically feeling like a grown-up for the first time in my life, all the shock that comes with it, all of the relationships I developed there, and all of the emotional processing I went through. And when I think of my time in college, it was very similar in that sense where I learned a lot and I got a degree. And we're talking right now about the value of that degree versus the value of the experience that you get in college. You cannot experience that online. And that ties into so much of what we talk about here in terms of how online life is impacting our mental health. What I'm concerned about is that while online living, working and studying and everything along with it, socializing, right? That has its perks. It saves a ton of money. Maybe it makes your life easier in some ways. But the downside is you don't get those in-person experiences that you get at school. Now, I think to your point, Jason, I'd love to hear this from you, is it sounds like you chose a college experience that was more affordable, but still allowed you to have that enrichment of being at a four-year school. Is that is that correct? Like, Do you feel like the impact of that shaped your life in significant ways? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It, it was a big city away from Detroit. Detroit's a big city, but it was Chicago, New York, LA. I, it, to me, it came down to Chicago, New York, and LA. And and part of it was, to your point, yes, of course, it was a financial decision, but more so, I wanted to immerse myself in a city that had a lot of cultural opportunities that I could immerse myself in. You know, So when I went to Chicago and I lived there three and a half years, I was singing in a band. I was doing improv comedy. I was studying filmmaking. I got into acting. It was the food in Chicago. It was the clubs in Chicago. It was the the amazing bands I could go see. So to your point, school was a component of it. It was a big component, absolutely. But for me, I knew that at that age in my late teens, early 20s, I wanted to submerge myself in as many stimulating cultural environments as possible. And I have some great memories, right? And and the other part of it too was I was, I knew for me that I wanted to focus on my art. I wanted to focus on creative risk taking. I wanted to focus on sort of those experiential elements 
that I felt was kind of not lacking in Detroit, but you know, you live 20 years in a place and you're like, I need to get the hell out of here. I need some other experiences. And I didn't necessarily want, although USC was an exception, sort of the typical um, going to Sunday football games, going to pep rallies, joining a fraternity. I didn't care about any of those things. I really wanted the culture. I wanted the creativity. I wanted the stimulation. I wanted to be pushing myself in ways I hadn't pushed myself before. So to your point, to back up what you said, the school portion was just a part of it. I wanted the immersion. I wanted to get uncomfortable by being in a different city and going, I don't fucking know anyone. Where the hell am I? Okay. I just got to surrender to the fact that I don't know anyone and I'm going to meet a bunch of new people and end up in places I can't even imagine, right? And it's kind of cool that we're talking about this because as I'm preparing to leave LA after nearly 15 years, there's been a, a sort of a fear in me as an aside conversation of like, oh, I'm going to have to start over somewhere and meet new people and blah, blah, blah. But now that we're talking about this, there's an excitement that comes along with that. And maybe it'll be harder now in my 40s, early 40s than it was in my early 20s. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. But that was an exciting time to just go somewhere brand new and have a completely blank slate. And maybe that's one of the big draws with, you know, not just going to college and leaving your hometown and going somewhere new, but relocating in general is the idea that we have an opportunity to start a new chapter and sort of have this proverbial blank slate to begin with. It's scary, but it's also really exciting. And also thinking more about what it is that you want now, what is what it is that you want in the future and how is what you want shaped by the past and having like deeper conversations as best you can with your teachers, with your parents, with your kids. If I assume it's mostly parents that are listening to this versus their children, but the people in your life to really think about this. And it's almost like, wouldn't it be nice if, if we are encouraged more to like develop our five-year plan when we're a junior like really think about it. Like, why is this school important to you? You know, and like have these open, vulnerable conversations about these things because maybe a lot of kids and parents would realize it's just not that important to them. And maybe there's another way that they can get that enrichment. And I'm sure there's so many things involved and and even just a the work environment too, you know. I would say that we're, like working a job at Apple, Apple felt like college in a lot of ways. Like it was, I made a ton of friends while I was there. We were learning from each other. We were partying. We were working together. Like we we're collaborating on things. Like my time at Apple was really awesome for that reason. So I got a lot out of that almost as much as I did from school. Now, granted, you're not living together and all of the other things that come along with it, but maybe there's a way that you can get what's really important to you is my point. And then do an online degree in addition to that. So you get the best of both worlds. Like maybe there's more of a hybrid involvement here, Jason. And I, I think it's tricky because there's just so much money involved. And as we've seen with documentaries that have covered the college admission scandals, they benefit from from people uh, going to school there. They make so much money from it. So it's in their benefit to, co to convince you that going to the school is the key to your future, right? And it's kind of a bit of brainwashing in that sense. Like they are, and that, that's also like when I pause and think about like that NYU program. Like, I mean, if I were to guess, that's probably why they have that program. They NYU probably thought, how do we get more kids to apply to our school? How do we find good kids for our school? Why don't we put together a summer program? And they charged us to take the summer program, right? They are encouraging us to go. We have to spend all this money. We're doing all these elaborate things. We're immersed in the NYU world. Of course, you're going to walk away thinking, oh my God, NYU is amazing. I need to go to school here. And it worked out for them, right? So it's like kind of interesting to, th <laughs> to think about it in that light, which I've never reflected on before. But at the same time, just because somebody's trying to manipulate you in a way doesn't mean that it's all bad. Because as I mentioned, for me, that 
was a pivotal time in my life and I'm so grateful for it. And I don't feel like any negativity to it. And I'm also glad I got a taste of what it was like to be at NYU because I didn't get to go there. So it's, you know, it's obviously not an easy thing. I think it's just more about acknowledging the fact that things aren't always what they seem. (laughs) And sometimes the things that we don't have the privilege of experiencing are actually not that important to us, you know? Like in in both of our cases, Jason, you and I dreamed of going to NYU and we didn't go for our own separate reasons. But I'm not sitting here like sad for the rest of my life. Like I was sad because I was a college kid in school that didn't know. I mean, I was a a senior in, in high school thinking that that was my whole life. But like I got over it and realized it didn't really matter that much anyways. And it's part of what's interesting about like the college admission scandals. I think actually that's more about the parents than the kids. Like if you watch some of those documentaries, I think it reflects more that the parents feel it's so important for their kids to go to these schools that they will literally spend a shit ton of money to get their kids in in some backdoor way just so that they can brag that their kids go to a certain school. You know, do the kids really want it that badly? Like if somebody had sat me down and said, I know you really want to go to NYU, but let's do a comparison. And they like really helped me understand it. Like in most ways to my understanding, Jason, NYU and Emerson are so similar because I would, all the kids that I know that NYU did not seem any happier, getting anything more out of it, having any better careers than me. In fact, sometimes they were envious of the things I got to do at Emerson because the way Emerson was set up. And I think that would be an important thing. Like, let's have a real life examinations of the pros and cons and understand the reality is that even like, even if you don't get to school, going to school in general is a privilege. I think that's part of the point. I think it's very important that we touch upon that is some people in this article literally do not go to school because they they can't afford it or they're not located near it. Like there are so many privileges involved with just getting there in the first place. And that's not something that I recognize until recently because I had the privilege of not having to face that issue. But I think because I had that ignorance, I want us to make it really clear that anyone who got to go to school, any school is privileged in so many levels. And I think it comes down to young people and parents asking really good questions in the sense of, do I expect expectation versus reality. Do I expect that going to NYU, Columbia, USC, et cetera, Ivy League school is going to help me jump social classes? Might I move up from a lower income to a middle class or upper middle class? Might I be secretly thinking I'm going to get rich? Might I be, as a parent, thinking that the status and the success of my child is a reflection of my status and my success. Oh, Johnny got into Yale. Oh my goodness, Helen, right? We can't downplay the ego and the narcissism that exists in the idea of you go to a certain school, you work for a certain company, and people regard you differently. I mean, this is really about social hierarchy. I think at the at, at, at the apex of money and classism, we're talking about social hierarchy here, right? Is the idea if I go to a certain school, get a certain education, have a name attached next to my name on a resume, well, I expect that will get me better, higher value, higher paying opportunities. I think we can we we can succinctly distill this argument to social, right? Social interactions. It it goes back to though the reality and what is breaking the bubble for thousands of people. One of the one of the craziest parts of this article, the second article we mentioned on on Wall Street Journal is this gentleman named Matt Black. He graduated from Columbia University in 2050 with an MFA in film and $233,000 in federal loans. He signed up for an income-based repayment plan. And with interest, his current balance stands at $331,000. He's a 36-year-old writer and producer in LA, 
grew up in a lower middle-class family in Oklahoma, okay? He earned $60,000 in a good year and less than half that, less than half of $30,000 in a dry stretch. The faculty at Columbia was stellar, he said, but he blames the school for his, quote, calamitous financial situation. Matt Black says, quote, we were told by the establishment our whole lives that this is the way to jump social classes, he said, of getting an Ivy League education. Instead, he feels such goals as marriage, having children, and owning a home are completely out of reach. During a car ride last year with three friends who graduated from the same film program, Mr. Black said, they calculated that they collectively owed $1.5 million in loans. We are financially hobbled for life, he said. That's the ongoing joke. More than 800 people applied this year for 72 spots in the Columbia Film MFA program, which can total over $300,000 for tuition fees, rent, living expenses. Students aspire to join the lineage of successful alumni who include Catherine Bigelow, director of The Hurt Locker, and Jennifer Lee, screenwriter and director of Frozen. I say all this because it's illusion versus reality. You think you're going to go to an Ivy League school, get an MFA, and you're going to jump social classes and make a shit ton of money and have all this notoriety. But then you find yourself like Matt Black making $30,000 a year sometimes. That's fucking crazy. But it's, 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 it's the mystique, like I said, Whitney. Oh, I want to be like Catherine Bigelow. I want to be like George Lucas. But the reality for most people is that's not the reality, right? And so it makes me wonder that the financial machine of the education system I'm not saying to anyone listening, don't get an education. I'm glad I went to college. But in this moment, in 2021, I have to question the necessity of doing it depending on what you actually want. And I think if you don't know what you want, or you have an expectation that you're going to make a shit ton of money or jump social classes, you're you're probably, statistically speaking, going to be really disappointed when the reality hits. Again, not saying don't do it. But I think it's really important to temper your expectations if you're going to do something like this and be hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt and maybe never pay it off your entire life. Who the hell knows? You know, if you're 40 years old, you're hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt. Who the hell knows if you'll ever pay it off? It's kind of scary. So I think to go back, it's just you got to know what you want. And it's hard to know what you want, right? I mean, I'm at this age, I'm, I sometimes question what the hell I want. But especially if you're about to make a financial commitment like that. Um, I don't know. It can seem kind of stultifying. And again, if you want to make content right now, as pedantic as it is to say, you can probably take a lot less expensive online classes in film and video making and get yourself an iPhone 13 Pro with cinema mode and just go fucking do it. Like, I know we're talking about film a lot, but you can produce music out of your freaking closet now, okay? It's not like it was in the 90s, right? I mean, when, when you and I were in college, Whitney, it was like, oh, if I want to be a mu- music producer or a filmmaker or an artist, for the most part, I need to go and do it because I can't spend $200,000 on a nonlinear avid editing machine. I can't just get that. But now in 2021, get Final Cut Pro, get Logic, go to Guitar Center and buy some recording equipment, get a fucking iPhone. Like the the rules of the game have changed so drastically. And I think that's probably one big reason why a lot of young people are like, fuck it, I'm not going to college. I can get all the equipment and education I need and do it for a lot cheaper, which I think that's ultimately a good thing. It gives people options and it gives them financial freedom to do it their way. So again, we're not saying we're anti-college or pro-college, but I think each person has to really, really get clear about what they actually want. We're always curious about your thoughts too. Did you go to college? Did you have a good experience? Are you in a shit ton of debt? Do you regret it? Are you happy you did it? We're curious to know. So shoot us an email. It's hello at wellevator.com. You can also leave us a comment in our show notes and transcripts and also shoot us a direct message on all of the social media platforms. We also have a great YouTube channel. If you're listening to this and you want to see our physical reactions and and our uh, actual live discussion, please subscribe to our YouTube channel. And again, exciting news on that. Thanks to support from some of our listeners, we crossed the threshold to finally have a username on YouTube. (laughs) We only had to get 100 subscribers, but it took us some time to get there. We are now officially youtube.com slash wellevator. 
which is really like, it was, you know, one of those moments you're like, yes, I got it. I got to that point. So now it's a little bit easier to find us. And I've been um, catching up. I was delayed for a bit with making videos, but now I've been posting almost one every day. So slowly catching up and uh, we'd love your feedback on that. If you comment on there, give it a thumbs up, especially to negate the uh, lovely person who, who enjoys giving a thumbs down to every single one of our videos. Um, <laughs> we, uh, you know, love any positive support that we get, but you know what, Jason, I, I have to say, I, w- I still reflect on that person. I was thinking about this earlier today. Like, Whoever it is that is determined to give every single one of our videos a thumbs down, like they're watching our videos. Like they must care enough about us that they will take the time to thumbs down every single one. So that person in a way is, it's not, you know, it's not necessarily a bad thing. They, they, they just are giving us feedback in an interesting way. I'll put it that way. If you would like to give us more positive feedback, I will say that we do respond better to positive feedback and constructive criticism. If you have suggestions and requests, all of that, we love to hear it. We just love hearing from you all together, as Jason mentioned. So check out YouTube. Maybe one day we'll get back into TikTok. (laughs) We have our other show, This Hits the Spot. We're trying to do a lot for you, for you because we appreciate your listenership truly so much. It brings us joy to see the listener base for the show grow. And uh, if there's ever anything that you're particularly interested in, we're here to listen. Thanks so much for listening to us. And we'll be back again with another episode this Friday. Thanks for listening and getting out of your comfort zone with us today. For show notes and more high-performance resources to help you thrive, go to WellEvator.com. That's W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R.com.